Hey, kids, do you like wrestling? Well, we like wrestling, too. We are Shake Them Ropes here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Myself and Chris Novembrino kind of doing a lazy river of wrestling criticism, going through the news and whatever happened in stateside television wrestling. And also, you know what? Sometimes we just like to watch old stuff and talk about that, too. Love for you to give us a listen. If you haven't already, we are Shake Them Ropes here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Thunder Buddies and Travelers Down Thunder Road, it's us, Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder Rewatch Podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway, coming to you as part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network and powered by a large man appears.com. I'm your host, your sidecar on Thunder Road, Dave Ryan, and I am joined as I am every week by my faithful co-host, Stagger Lee Malone. Lee, it's time for, we are restricting ourselves on this show as old men, but I think it's time for quarterly weather talk. Fierce fucking cold snap coming in. <laughs> Tis first called. You're sitting there with your with your beanie hat on. Um, yeah. Well, no, but maybe it's not a beanie hat. Maybe it's a mug. Yeah. Oh, it is. Yeah. No, it is. It's beanie, is it? It's, yeah. yeah. I, I don't see. I never know, quite know what the difference is between a beanie and a monkey hat. Yeah. Is that the one that like bubbles up a bit? Yeah. At the top? That, that you have to pull up and. Oh yeah. See, yeah, a beanie yeah, to me is that's... just one one. Yeah, one bit. I, I'm a I'm a beanie guy. Um, yeah, for a beanie. The last couple. Since I started growing my hair, definitely, because it's like, it's the easy way to keep it out of my face when the weather is cold without tying it up. Um, although I am, and I, I would like people um, to keep an eye to our Twitter account, at WCW Thunderpod, because I think, I think I might be getting this hair cut by Christmas. Oh. And I am going to raise money for it. Um, so, I'm yeah, it's I'm going to try and... L- Lucha do- Dave over here. Yeah, I'm gonna donate it to get wigs made um, for kids. So um, I've been planning to do. That's why I grew my hair in the first place. Um, and I've received final confirmation because everybody I've asked has given me a different answer on how long the hair needs to be before I get rid of it. So I got official word from the charity. I contacted the charity that I'll be donating it to, and they said it needs to be 14 inches in a ponytail. And I'm somewhere around 13 and three quarters of an inch at the moment. So I think by December, I'm, I'm looking at, I have a big work due uh, right before I finish for Christmas. And I'm thinking about getting it done there. Um. So yeah, that's, that, that, and the beanies will definitely be needed then because it's supposedly going to be a cold winter here. And if I have no hair up on top anymore it'll for be the first to, time in three to, years. It'll be odd to see you with the no hair again. Yeah, 
Which, like, um, it's funny the way memory works because, like, you and a lot of my friends, like, think it's weird now, even though I've only had this since yeah, 2021. Yeah, like, like, we've only, what, we've met each other once since COVID in person. Yeah, and that's, like, the yeah. only time you've seen me in real life with long hair. Mm-hmm. Hot. <laughs> so it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. I will feel weird for me as well, even though, like, you know, 30 of my... 34 years in the world I have been like shaved almost down to the scalp most of the time um, but anyway we we move on um, like I, I, just, I like I mean there's there's no way about, there's no two ways about saying this this show can eat my whole ass I fucking hate it <laughs> I, I hated the show so much so I, I want to dance around it a little bit longer and just wait because, like, when we get into it, like, I feel like the jovial spirit of talking to my friend Lee is going to go out the window in place of, like, fuck this company, fuck everything, fuck my idea for having this podcast, fuck everybody who encourages to watch this shit. I'm, um, not, I'm not even doing a bit. I've been so fucking grumpy today because I knew I had to come on and talk about the show. Yeah, I've had like a long day of work and compounded by the fact that instead of getting early nights the last couple of nights when I should, I've had to watch this show and it's one of the rare ones now. I I often pride myself on usually, with rare exceptions, I watch these shows in a single sitting. Well, this was one of those exceptions, my friend. This, uh, I think, took three matches to break me Mm -hmm. and then I had to come back last night and watch the remaining six Yep. Uh, and it was fucking desperately bad. But before we get into any of that, I'm just going to desperately claw out at an attempt to talk about anything else. Did you do anything interesting this week, pal? <laughs> no. <laughs> How would I have done God anything interesting? Make something up. No, <laughs> um, oh, not really. Um I genuinely can't think of what I've done the past week. That'll tell you how, how exciting things are in my life at the moment. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm off to Manchester next week, so that's exciting. Yeah, that'll be fun. That'll be fun. You're you're making your your first trip to a game at Old Trafford. Yeah, first first Old Trafford trip with my lovely ten year old son for his birthday. Well, it's his birthday yeah. present. I mean, it's yeah. present for himself, really. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, he's old enough now that birthday presents for him are a little bit for you too, which is great. Yeah, actually, Jen, Jen, Jen I walked into the sitting room the other night, and Jen was like, uh, "I got your Christmas present." I was like, "Okay." She's like, I'm not telling you what it is, but it's kind of for both of us. I was like, great, great, can't we? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so you're saying it's not a bottle of whiskey? <laughs> no, what she's basically saying is it's not really for you, it's for me. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, my, gra- my granddad one Christmas decided it'd be really hilarious if he, uh, if he got my granny uh, a present, but instead of like giving her actual present, he very badly wrapped up the hoover we already had. Oh, and pretended like he was gifting her that and how that man remains married to this day I'll tell you it's a testament to true love because I would have fucking boiled him <laughs> in a pot with the potatoes that Christmas day I'd say he fucking got got an earful that's all I'll say this is a um, man I know we've we've peered into the psyche of my grandfather on this show a couple of times before um, but like this is a man who routinely will buy cards at certain times of the year, hold on to them until it's unseasonable to deliver them and then deliver them. So like for my birthday, which is in June, I will get a St. Patrick's Day card, <laughs> which until he started doing this to me, did not know that that was a thing that people had St. Patrick's Day cards. I'm pretty he sure might I've get seen an, them. Yeah. 
you might get an Easter card for Christmas. You know, this this kind of thing. And when and did this start? Ah, uh, like, I don't know. He might have been doing it before I was born, for all I know. I try not to engage other people in our shared trauma in the family. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is a guy, right, who, when... I, I think I've said on the, the show before I'm diabetic. Um, mm. But when I was in hospital, when I found out I was diabetic... um. I kind of I, I was sitting up in a ward where it was a six bed ward in the hospital and everybody else in the ward who wasn't me was conservatively 4,000 years old. <laughs> right. My granddad came in and uh, decided it was open mic night at the improv. Oh, no. Uh, so the first thing he said, and I bear in mind, like he thought he was saying this in a low voice, but he was bellowing these gags to himself he looked around and said oh this is where they send all the mass cards uh for those of you who don't know who weren't raised in a predominantly catholic country mass cards are things you get for people who have recently died uh kind of like a condolence sort of a, a gesture that you would go down to like the local parish center and get a card basically saying sorry for your loss we're getting mass said for relative x uh on your behalf uh, so that's that's what he said. Then he started like riffing on what diseases he thought the men around me had. Oh, none of which were very PC, I must say. Uh, but about two days in, he came into me, and this is where he got banned uh, from coming into me for the other seven days I was in there because my granny was there and wouldn't tolerate that shit. So she was sitting there, and he walked in looked at the fella that was kind of there was a fella who was like the other side of me to where he was standing who was like on a respirator most of the time that i was in there and like i was genuinely anxious that i was going to see this very very old man pass away while i was there and he just goes jesus this fella's been circling the drain for ages hasn't he (laughs) would he ever just get a move on there's people looking for beds oh my fucking god and I need to say that after each one of these gags, he would pause for about four seconds, like hold for applause, and then immediately piss himself laughing. I fucking love you about that so much. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, um, that is there fucking was also glorious. Talk, him, and, him and my friend Paddy hatched a plan that when I moved, I moved from that ward to a four-bed ward that day. Um... And they hatched an idea. My granny was gone down to put more money in the parking. That while she was gone, I was moved. And my granddad, Paddy, decided that Paddy was going to stay behind in my old bed that was now empty. And when my granny came in, he was going to pound on the bed go, He was so young! (laughs) I was like, great, you're going to kill my grandmother. Brilliant. Thank you. Oh, fucking brilliant. This is life. This is life. Actually, I, I do. Also, I, one uh, more granddad thing is yeah, he on. used to uh, he used to think I was trying to take his cornflakes all the time, so um, he kept his cornflakes locked in his wardrobe, and then <laughs> would lock their bedroom door under the assumption that I was so fucking jonesing for a bowl of cornflakes I could break through up to two doors to get at them. <laughs> so what? like. He was so suspicious of me when he went to get his cereal. Instead of bringing the cornflakes down, he would take a bowl from the kitchen, go up, fill his cornflakes in his fucking bedroom like a sad old insane person, and then come downstairs. (laughs) He also 
wrote his name on his carton of milk in permanent marker to get separate milk. Could you imagine? Like, oh my god, your your grandmother must be a fucking saint. Oh I my think god! She just, yeah, I, I think like it was. She'd long passed the point of like I'm just gonna have to do some things for an easier life here. I'm just not gonna question these decisions. Like. Did you actually take some of his conflicts that he came to this conclusion? Like, I was trying to think, like, I don't <laughs> not like cornflakes. I enjoy cornflakes. But, like, I'm I, 99% of the time I'm having, like, a, a high-fiber cereal. I've always been, a like, a, a Shreddies or a Weedabix or a Shredded Wheat or a Bran Flakes guy. That's kind of my, I don't, like, I, I will have the odd bowl of cornflakes. I will have the odd Rice Krispies. But I don't really go far beyond that because it's like my my main source of fiber is having something <laughs> like that um so like maybe once or twice ever it's not like i was some sort of cornflake guzzling maniac who left him without that's what i can't remember. like how did your your nanny not like go you're being ridiculous and yeah or just like you know buy the bigger box of cornflakes <laughs> oh my god what a man yeah, I mean, I guess so. Um, <laughs> I, I actually, I just want to say, it seems I mentioned that um, I'll be going to Manchester for the first time. Actually, last week, my mom sent me some photos of when I went to Wembley in 1994. Oh, oh your, your, your famed only other trip to London? Yeah. She actually uh-huh. rooted out some of shows. She was looking for our photos or something. And uh, she came across some of when I went to the the original Wembley. And uh, you know, I'll see if you can With see the this on the camera. Huh? With the big pillars. With yeah. the big pillars, yeah. I don't know if you can... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can make that out. A very young... Jesus, were, were you ginger? No, I was just very freckly. Oh. Uh, it's just a yeah. It's just that the light there made your hair look a bit ginger. Yeah, no. It's like, oh, you, can't, you got that under wraps. Very freckly um, and... Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think as we all were at that age that's what happens to irish skin when you get one good summer that's it all, erupts. I, I showed connor the picture i was like do you know where i sat in front of the, the england number seven she's like is it david beckham i was like no connor it was 1994 <laughs> it was not yeah. david beckham so brian, <laughs> brian robson that's why <laughs> you should you should have given him credit for like giving you a couple of years of youth back there yeah he gets no credit for yeah. anything you're not having it <laughs> Although you were like this, he did sit there. Like he likes to sit down in the evenings with me and watch YouTube or whatever. Mm. And uh, he's like, "Oh, can we watch this?" And it was a, a Ronaldo O Phenomeno highlight video, oh. Oh. like twenty minutes long. One of the just one of the greats. Did I send you that photo? I got a. I I saw his jersey when I was in the San Zero. Oh no! Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, that was the one. Like there was like Diego Maradona's uh, Napoli jersey was there. Batistuta's Fiorentina jersey was there. Those were all really cool. But the one that I just started like proper fangirling over was I saw Ronaldo's Inter jersey. You know the one with the the horizontal grey and blue stripes. That one. Connor has the knock. You know the the, the knockoff jersey they brought a couple of years yeah. ago. Yeah. He he wears that one, and everyone goes, "Oh, is that a Ronaldo jersey?" I uh, the one I was you know disappointed not to see but I, I i guess i know like he wasn't a big enough star there for long enough was i was hoping to see an adriano jersey <laughs> but I, I didn't get it <laughs> love the emperor love him uh, i think i've i think the only person i've popped with that reference is chris damasetto if he's listening to, to probably this him, him and lazel 
I've got it. Oh, I know. Jackie Lasers is loving that yeah. one. Um, yeah, basically, I have done that to pop the cast of The Furious. <laughs> um, but anyway, look, before we get into this absolutely diabolical show um, that can just eat a bag of dicks, um, let's go to Lee Malone because we are, it's, you know, would the kids say it's popping off over at the Patreon this month? <laughs> Is that what the kids would say? <laughs> it's lit. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't think they're still saying that one. I don't know Either if they're saying that one or if you pay to join our Patreon, I'll stop saying it's lit. <laughs> or can you say is a, pa- a Patreon him? Oh, is page- the Patreon is him? Yeah. Yeah, possibly. That could be one. Anyway. I thought you were giving our Patreon pronouns there for a second. I was just like, I'm, I'm on board with whatever you're doing here. <laughs> uh, yeah, so last week on the Patreon, we had what? I think we would both agree was our favorite ever episode of the OT at the movies where we yes. covered the phenomenal they live guys. I don't know if you know this. They live is a very good motion picture. It's fucking great. It is. I genuinely would rather sit down and watch that again right now than talk about yeah. this upcoming show. I've actually now gotten back into, I mentioned it on that show, but um, one of my favorite podcasts, blank check um i've started re-listening to their entire series on john carpenter and i am primed for i was gonna try squeeze it in tonight but i'm already tired um so i think i'm gonna wait till the weekend to properly enjoy a full screening of john carpenter's the thing which is one of my favorite movies of all time um yeah so that, that was last week on the patreon and then this coming next week we will have a actually it's a double week next week isn't it is it next week? No, it's, oh, um, it's the end of the month. Well, it is. Well, it is a double of. week because you're gonna you're gonna be yeah. getting um, you're the, gonna be getting uh, a free show and a paid show. Twenty sixth is the Thursday. We should have the regular Patreon uh, scheduled episode of a return to one of our favorite shows. It's rehash of the champions, and it'll be rehash number eight. Um, oh, obviously, yeah. as as Dave covered one um, episode while I was off the podcast during the summer. So we return to the NWA in 1989. And Dave, I have the card here in front of me. Are you aware of what this show is? Nope. Uh, okay, so I will tell you, first of all, commentary on this show is provided by Jim Ross and Jim Cornette. Okay, no Bob Coddle? No Bob Coddle. Bob Coddle is no more. Okay. Well, I mean, he's still alive, but he's no more on this show. <laughs> I was like, Jesus, he met his demise. <laughs> so there is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight matches on this show. That is an action packed. Can I just say, they only have one match less than Road Wild, and I would bet it's of substantially better quality and is also an hour shorter. Yes. So I will run through the matches very quickly, just as a preview, both for you and the listeners. So we've got a, a tag team match. The Samoan SWAT team, Fatu and Samu, with Paul E. Dangerously taking on the Road Warriors with Paul Ellering okay. in the opener. Okay. Uh, we got when, a sing- when you're opening at that level. we got a singles match. The Cuban Assassin versus the Z-Man. Not so good. Okay. Singles Tom's match. Tom's like, by the way, can, can I just say that Tom's like, the, maybe the greatest quote ever about dying WCW, where he says... <laughs> I can't remember how the line came up where he just basically said of the WCW crowds towards the end a lot of fucking people dressed as chairs oh yeah that was him that's right yeah (laughs) 
another singles match Sid Vicious with Dance Bivey and Theodore Orlong taking on Ranger Ross then we have an NWA World Tag Team title match the Fabulous Freebirds the champions Jimmy Garvin and Michael Hayes take on the Steiner Brothers who have Missy Hyatt and Robin Green in their corner Um, then we have another singles match Flying Brian takes on Norman the Lunatic uh, we got another singles match. Steve Williams, Dr. Death takes on Mike Rotunda. We got an NWA United States heavyweight title match. Lex Luger versus Tommy Rich. And then the main event. This is the one that I think is going to be fucking great. Uh, tag match. Ric Flair and Sting take on the JTEX Corporation. Now, I know NWA nine probably isn't your uh, your wheelhouse, but do you know who's in the JTEX Corporation? I absolutely do not. Well, it is managed by Gary Hart. Do you know what JTEX is, first of all? The only thing I could think of is, does it involve Texas somehow? Yeah, Japan Texas Corporation is basically Japan what it is. Japan Texas Corporation. Tremendous. It, it's Gary Hart. It's it's like... It, so, I, so I'm assuming then that means Muta is involved. Yes, it's Muta and Dick Slater. <laughs> Dick Slater and yeah. Muta. Um... But, like, you know how in Die Hard it's, like, uh, the, the Nagatomi... Nagato- the, Naka- the Nakatomi. Nakatomi Plaza. And it's, like, you know, all the, all these Japanese corporations are coming over and taking over. That's yeah, yeah. That was brought to wrestling in the year of 1989 with the JTEX Corporation. That's, that's the vibe they're trying to bring. Yeah. I respect it. I respect it. They were over its time. I mean, you got to give them credit. Yeah. They, were, they were on the ball. Yeah. But, yeah, no, that, so, that, that's the card. So that's something yeah. to look forward to. Yeah, so you're going to get that and, and you're going to get... Yeah. Yes. We've got um, on Halloween night, posted for free on Patreon to give you a little bit of a sample behind the uh, the paywall. We are going to do our third annual Arquette-a-ween. Uh We are going to review Scream 3. Um, so that's going to be good. I think what I'll do is I'll leave it free for the week and then put it back behind the paywall. I think that's um, what you did last year as well. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I think, you know, give people a little sneaky pre peak of what we do it is only five euro per month and at this stage we've been going for nearly a year and a half with most months three uh pieces of audio so do that maths there that is a lot of bang for your buck for five europeans you're getting there uh plenty of stuff still to come on the the road to christmas um and yeah just a bunch more dumb ideas for us to uh kind of uh spread our wings and 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 get through certainly all substantially better than the show we're about to talk about <laughs> right shall we do it buddy let's go for oh god have mercy on our souls this is one where i wish we were still recording this when we were on lockdown because i could then drink alcohol at home knowing i didn't have to go to work in the morning genuinely like, uh, I, my wife isn't here tonight and i'm looking after the kids if she wasn't if she was here i would have so many drinks in front of me this nearly rebroke me in the way that I think it was. I, I want to say, and maybe a listener will know better, especially if there's somebody who's uh, one of the ones who recently went through our back catalogue. There's an early episode, maybe five in, where we just started compulsively drinking every time we watched Thunder because that's what we had to do for a while. Um, and that that period of the podcast lasted for a for a while it was a lot of lockdown the initial lockdown was us having I, I actually drinks. now that i think about it we were it was well before lockdown that we started doing that i think it was just we were drinking more during lockdown Probably. uh 
I think what would happen was I started cracking a drink to do the podcast after about episode five. But when lockdown happened, I was drinking as I was watching the shows and then drinking some more as we reviewed the shows. Well, what can you do? This is Road Wild 1999 from, of all places, would you believe, Sturgis, South Dakota, 14th of August, 1999. This show, and this would like, <laughs> I know times have changed, but when you think about the pay-per-view market now, the idea that a show of this caliber got 235,000 buys wow. on pay-per-view. Okay. That is astonishing. Uh, it does not match up with its cage match rating, which is something I'm going to add for pay-per-views going forward. This has a cage match rating of 2.91. <laughs> and even that might be a bit generous. Uh, Lee, I did something a bit special for this show. Because um, it's hella bad. And I wanted to hear an explanation. I wanted to hear from the horse's mouth what the fuck was going on with this show. So for the first and only time in my life, I listened to elements of an episode of 83 Weeks. You didn't know. Good Lord, is there few people on this earth more packed full of horse shit than Eric Bischoff. I can't believe you actually Let's just talk about this now. Have you ever listened to his podcast? No, never. But you have listened to him speak, big air quotes, candidly yes, about yeah, WCW yeah. in hindsight okay this man is completely full <clears throat> of shit mm-hmm. right he is completely full of shit and the worst thing like I mean maybe not the worst thing about it the worst thing about it is still him but one of the worst things about the podcast is that he's sitting across from the most softball-y co-host in Conrad who is never going to fucking challenge him on anything because he knows where his fucking butter, uh, bread is buttered. Yeah, listen, I, I actually, you know what, I enjoy Jeff Jarrett's podcast now and again, like when it has a subject that I'm interested in, I think Jeff Jarrett is very good. Yeah. The rest of Conrad's fucking shows can get in the fucking bin as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I listen. I remember listening to one, because do you remember there was that little while before you went back to WWE where people were like, Pritchard's podcast is actually pretty Yeah, good. it was pretty, yeah, it was decent because he didn't give a fuck. He thought he was never getting hired again. As soon as that happened, though, it was like, mm-hmm. I listened to it at one episode and it was fucking high trash. Oh, he, he and, literally tried to go back on everything he said, yeah. Yeah. And that's pretty much the Bischoff experience on 83 Weeks. Like, you want to talk about one guy who struck gold once and has been dining off it for nearly 30 years? Mm-hmm. Like, this guy... Not only was nothing his fault, like it's so funny that he hates Russo now because the two of them rhetorically are identical. Oh, yeah. Nothing was ever his fault. Stuff was conspiring against him. The only stuff he'll throw hands up and go, yeah, that was bad, is when it involves people he's not personally friends with and he doesn't mind burying. But it's still not his fault. It's more their fault, right? Um... The other thing about his podcast that is completely insufferable is his one-man war against Dave Meltzer. God. Good Lord, it's the most embarrassing shit in the world. Because not only is it really funny when, like... So, like, the first half of the show before they start talking about the pay-per-view is, like, them talking about the, the news in WCW at the time. And Conrad, because Conrad reads the sheets, 
So Conrad is pulling news from the Torch. He's pulling news from the Observer. On this one, I didn't hear him pull anything from Figure Four, but you know he's pulling from the the sheets of the time anyway. And um, anytime Conrad specifically mentions Dave Meltzer, he tries so hard, Eric, to discredit Dave and just disagree with whatever Dave has said. Anytime Conrad leaves Dave's name off or Eric didn't hear him say Dave's name, or it's a Wade report, he'll go, yeah, yeah, that happened. You know, it's just, it's the most, like, he'll be, he'll get up on his high horse about how these sheet writers know nothing and then literally get onto the next news story that's also pulled from the same newsletter. And he'll be like, yeah, that happened. Um, one, And the other really funny thing about it is, so he recorded this episode on Road Wild 99 four years ago, I think the YouTube okay. video said. So it's really funny the stuff he disputes about what Dave is saying. That now, four years later, we know matter-of-factly Bishop was full of shit on. So he opens up, apropos of nothing. It's not related to Roll Wild 99, but he starts talking about Dave Meltzer. And um, he's mentioning that... Uh, oh, yeah, so I, this is how it comes up. So the first thing Conrad asks him is about the thing... I think we mentioned it on the show when I was talking about excerpts from the observer about rodman's pay and this this third rodman match basically came along because he was really unhappy with his payday from 98 and to kind of make amends and forego any legal proceedings it's like right you give us one more match and we'll give you your or whatever it was um so bishop attempts to dispute this um even though, like, it's it's pretty much like it's everybody knows Rodman was unhappy. And even when he's disputing it, he is kind of saying it did happen. But the way he tries to discredit Dave, rather than denying the story, right? Because, again, it's Dennis Rodman. Like, he's very liable to turn around Dennis Rodman and just say, yeah, that happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and blow Bischoff out of the water because Rodman does not give a fuck. But, uh, yeah, Bischoff tries to discredit Dave by bringing up another story. Like, I'm going to give it, rather than talk about example A, I'm going to bring up example B as to why Dave Meltzer is full of shit. shit. And the example he brings up, and I just, where he's like, what? And this is, it's so scraping the bottom of the barrel as well for a thing Dave was wrong on, where he's just like, well, Dave Meltzer is the same guy who reported that Dark Side of the Ring were going to do an episode on Chris Benoit and Nancy, which they are absolutely not going to do. Which I think less than one year after this was recorded, they did it as a two-parter. Yeah. And given how long they lead out on their research time and interviews, I would, I would nearly put money... Um, they were at least doing the research, if not already conducting interviews for that episode. Oh, that easily, time. yeah, yeah. Ab- absolutely had to have been. So it, another report from Melzer that he doesn't deny, he actually tries to defend, is there was a there was talk of uh, changing Disco Inferno's character around this time. Did you ever hear about this idea? Possibly, but go on. There was going to be a spot in a match where Disco fell on top of his head and got amnesia. Oh God. Uh, and he said, I thought it would be funny and good. Uh, thought that uh, Glenn Gilberti had the chops to pull off an amnesia gimmick. Um, but there's, also a very, there's also a very... There's also a really... I, I think a very revealing thing about Eric Bischoff's character 
in this and what a like in spite of how he tries to make himself sound like he was kind of a heartless monster okay <laughs> like i think is the only way to put it so they talk about fit finley's leg break so at the time we'd kind of we we dove into it when he went out injured mm-hmm. but um like it's a shattered leg it's torn tendons and his surgeons were saying he may never walk properly again let alone wrestle at this stage like at this point it's around the time he got surgery now at road wild there was genuine question marks over whether he'd ever ever be able to get back in a ring again what's under like the questions over whether he'd need to get his leg amputated it was that badly destroyed yeah yeah that was the rumor that was the rumor um and conrad is like is there substance to this like what's the story do you remember you know talking to fit about his injury at the time and he goes yeah this happened i remember i like he goes so he was trying to explain how when his guys were injured his roster by the way he never kept in touch with them he'd get um when the injury happened he'd be told such and such is injured they're going to be out as if to notify him that you can't book them for tv then it sounds like once a month he would get a medical update for who was on the injured roster and other that other than that he didn't talk to them fucking hell is the only time he talked to fit finley was like right when it happened and then right when he was ready to come back cuz i think he was back in power by then um he also in that same breath tried to defend conrad asks about and i think we've probably all heard this uh, at one point or another if you've all followed wcw uh this idea that when guys get hurt your pay got cut massively after 90 days okay if you like if you were on huge guaranteed money if you got injured after a 90 day period of being out your pay got axed to almost nothing okay i think i had heard um, that it went to it went to like the minimum contract or whatever it was it was something something along those lines yeah so he also defended himself then uh by patting himself on the back saying well I looked after Eddie Guerrero after his car accident. So one person. Yeah, one not only one person, but also given the issues that that man would face in the following years, you did a fucking stellar job of looking after mm-hmm. him, Eric. I'm not laying the blame at Eric Bischoff's feet, but that is, if I'm in Eric Bischoff's seat, that's not the one example I'm picking. Well, you know why he picked Eddie? Because everyone loves Eddie. Yeah, that that's genuine. The only reason he picked Eddie also probably gun to his head he wouldn't have the compassion to remember a lot of people who got badly injured on his watch yeah that's true just 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 speculating anyway let's let's just get into this show and stop talking about that piece of shit for a little while although i will be heavily blaming him throughout this broadcast for what we had to witness uh the open i think maybe a foreboding thing was that the pay-per-view opened with a nash and hogan video package that already wasn't nearly as good as the one from the go home thunder oh, it was so fucking bad they show a chair shot that nash throws at a uh, hogan and it misses by at least three inches like you see yeah. daylight on a video yeah. package is it you know when sean used to miss super kicks and WWE would do him a solid and edit it in such a way that it looked like you'd cleave the guy's head off. Yeah, like you'd shoot from behind or whatever. Yeah, no such favours being done in, in no. this video package. 
Uh, we do get a cool chopper shot of her Sturgis from the hills, although it doesn't... It looks like a cool aerial shot, but then when you start to look in on the details, you realize that Sturgis just kind of looks like a bunch of warehouses in the middle of the in the middle of a forest. Doesn't really doesn't really look that appealing the more you think about it. Yeah, um, it's like what? Like I'm assuming Sturgis is still a thing. Yeah, I mean they make mention during the broadcast, uh, I think, uh, or maybe it was last year's one, where like most of the year. It's like a sleepy town of about 10,000 people. And then somewhere between a quarter and half a million people over the course of the Sturgis rally come through. Which has got to be like, I mean, great for local business, I imagine. And the meth trade. But, uh, like, it's got to be pretty fucking harrowing. Like, I'd be, I'd be boarding up the house and moving out for a week every year if that was happening in my town. Well, I mean, there's meth always in your town. There is, there is. Now we're big we're a big h town we are <laughs> um it's bizarre weather they've got like and i always kind of like i always admire the the chutzpah of uh any wrestling promotion to do an outdoors show because you're really like putting yourself at the mercy of mother nature uh it seemed one just based on guys getting blown up and being absolutely sweaty it seemed like it was fucking roasting hot and sturgis yeah. and then on top of that it was like nearly gale force winds because I don't know if you noticed whenever pyro went off on this show, the speed at which the yeah. pyro clouds would whip off screen was like fucking hell. Yeah, no, it didn't look like the ideal conditions had to be either one stood there for three hours watching this shit or wrestling in it. I forget that because the last one was a year ago in WCW time, which means nearly two years ago in our podcast time. I had forgotten how annoying the bike noises were. Yeah. I mean, within five minutes, Lee, I was over the sound of motorcycles revving. And this was a two hour, 45 minute show. Yeah. Fuck, it was bad. <laughs> Fuck, it was bad. <laughs> you know, uh, and you know what? Say, like, I, I do enjoy, I think the look of the show is pretty good. I like yeah. the set they have, like the, the, the road. And like yeah. it, the kind of, it's like netting or something they have up over the stage like it gives a cool little visual it's different to anything else it's a cool little visual now i don't know if it was worth the fact that all three years they did this they fucking took a bath on this financially oh, yeah. because everyone went to it for free yeah which is hilarious and, to me and it would result in particularly on this edition of road wild which funny enough was the final one um a largely not fucked about it crowd there's a few guys who get really good reactions on the show, and I think I've noted them. But there's long portions of this show where people are just sitting on their bikes fucking talking to each other. Yep. <laughs> and not paying attention, just drinking their beer. Do you know what this was? This was Crown Jewel in 1999. Yeah. I kind of don't know if I... If I'm like... If I want to blame WCW for like, would you not have put on a better show to try and get this crowd animated? Or if I'm like... No, maybe in their position, I'd also take a punt on this show because, like, the bikers just aren't going to be interested in quality mat work or anything. So I don't know which way I fall down on that one. I mean, I'd always think of the audience at home that are paying for it. Yeah, 235,000 of them, my friend. And how many of them returned for Fall Brawl? Yeah, uh, we shall find out. <laughs> uh, the lads, our commentary team today... Uh, Tanay Shivani and Heenan look fucking hilarious. Um, they've sure. all got black t-shirts on. 
and yeah. uh, Tony and Tanae have added shades and cool guy denim jackets to the look as well. Um, we're also being told that they are giving away a motorbike tonight. Now, I hadn't really heard the uh, this Iron Horse promotion or taken any notice of it uh, on previous Thunders, but seemingly they've been going around at all the TV recordings and selling basically raffle tickets to give away an Iron Horse motorbike. You would think you'd give it away at Sturgis, like where you would, one, get the fan on screen, and two, you have the highest chance of somebody actually enjoying getting a motorbike in a raffle. Yeah, make more but sense, anyway. wouldn't it? But yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, but I guess then the other side of things is, well, it's Sturgis. Most people that are there already have a motorbike. Um, we then get uh, this was like very awkward so Brain firstly I did appreciate him suggesting that Dennis Rodman had a limousine that was 63 blocks long Um, then early production snafu as just randomly and for no reason they just cut to a still shot of wilderness before this match starts don't know what that was about Um, our opening tag match sees the Deadpool consisting on this occasion of Shaggy 2 Dope, Vampiro and Violent J versus the Filthy Animals, Eddie Guerrero, Kidman and Rey Mysterio Jr. Um, were they introduced as the Filthy Animals? No. I don't think they were, were they? Yeah, they're just identified on, on Cage Match as the Filthy Animals at this stage because it is close to when they get that rebrand. Um, I did one thing that did make me laugh on the little bit of 83 weeks I listened to was... Um, there was a lot of talk about how like so Raven's obviously injured at this at this time which is why he's still hanging around but he's not really getting physically involved in the Deadpool matches while he's still there but uh, obviously it's coming up close to the time that he famously bounces like uh, yeah uh, I'd like to be released please yeah. <laughs> um, still, still the, best, the best story but uh, they're coming up on that and Conrad tries to ask him about it. Just like, is it true that, that Scott Levy was unhappy at the time? <laughs> and Eric Bischoff deadpans him with, that guy was unhappy every day of his life. <laughs> I was wrong. like, you know, I would absolutely buy that. <laughs> Just seeing him come down, oh, this miserable git. Um, something that I was blown away by, if you want to take a, a real positive from this show, video package is a go-go. Yeah, the video package like, for every match. Was, uh, except one. But the, oh, right. there was there was one exception. I can't remember which one it was, but I wrote it down because I was just like, I was so loving the vibe of, like, not everything needs a big overly wrought video package, but everything got a video package that, to the audience at home, makes you understand why these two people are feuding. Even if you're not super into the feud. It got you caught up and gave you context. So if maybe you were over at a mate's house watching a WCW pay-per-view and you don't, didn't check in that often, you were now invested, you know? Mm. Um, so, like, I, I, you know, we do try on the the rare occasions where it is to possible give them to give them yeah. credit. We do. Um, we got some new Deadpool music. Um, and unsurprisingly, because I imagine there is a little bit of crossover, the Insane Clown Posse got a big reaction in Sturgis yeah there was definitely some juggalos in the crowd mm. um, uh, Penzer had an incredible outfit uh, he was wearing blue shades a leather waistcoat over a fairly like puffy ruffly shirt loved it <laughs> you should tell him on Twitter uh, Tony immediately bored uh, in this match by trying to name all the brands of motorcycle he's heard of 
Um, <laughs> Vampiro, right? I, see, I thought he did so, that because he mentioned Harley and then he was like, oh shit, and American Iron Horse, and Yamaha, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Honda. Yeah, I think it was one of those other motorcycle brands are available sort yes. of situations. Like he realized Harley wasn't giving them any sponsorship money and Iron Horse was. And he was like, uh, could be any bike. Uh, they even went down as far as Kawasaki, which mm-hmm. I, I did appreciate. Um, right. I'm going to throw this out as a question to you, right? Because I have a very, very narrow window of experience with this man. In ring, is Vampiro completely shite? Yeah. Because, like, my entire experience of Vampiro is this WCW run, which he doesn't, like, again, I think he has superstar presence in WCW. I would never take that away from him. The entrance, the look is great. He never really blows the doors off match-wise in WCW. And the only other time I've caught up with him was when he's completely washed and has the best Vampiro match I've ever seen. Him and Penta in Lucha Underground. Um, To be fair, that's probably the best Vampiro match I've ever seen as well. So, Um, Yeah, yeah, no, I haven't seen a ton of his AAA work, but he was never known for being a worker. He's always just been... The, the star you know he has that presence yeah. um i think he ha- I, again going back in the fucking memory banks 20 odd years ago i think he has one or two good matches in wcw yeah i don't look so maybe i'm being hyperbolic when i say completely shite no, i think is. it's just Gosh. that <laughs> do, you, do you know do you know what it is it's that thing of like probably unfair comparison because i was gonna say do you know the way ken kennedy had that thing of like loads of moves that most people take smooth as butter he just seemed to take 20 percent more awkwardly than he had to yeah they're not athletes and like yeah he's just it, it it maybe that's the best way to put it is that like he comes across as somebody that wrestling does not come naturally to at all mm-hmm uh, it seems like he over or under thinks everything he has to do. The The reason I, I come up with this talking point here is because maybe a minute in, he walks into a sky-high powerbomb from Kidman. And, Lee, just for the, the record books, how would you take the bump off a of sky-high? Into a basic flat back. Would you take the bump for a sky high directly onto your arsehole? Uh, no, because that, that's not a good way to treat your tailbone. No. Uh, well, that's what Vampiro did here. <laughs> Again. Just took a nice sit here. Th- that's because he's terrified of selling for anybody. Yeah. Um, we could see the way they've positioned it this year, rather than see the scores and scores of bikers going way, way back, we can just see individual food trucks yeah. in the middle distance this whole time. And I was just reading them at certain points. I was bored. I loved the idea that at a big tough guy biker rally, there was a fresh lemonade stand. That fucking killed me. Yeah, fresh lemonade. And I think butterfly fries was the other promised There's one. Butterfly the fries. There was also steak hamburgers. Yes. Um... But it is funny, Which, like, no literally, the, the, the backdrop for this show is basically the food court in stores. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very funny. 
um huge Eddie chance. Like yeah. that was that was an impression I came away with. And this is like just speaks to something we and many others have said about Eddie. It's like this man could just get over. He could get over in a crypt. Do you know what I mean? Like he could he could get a he could get any crowd popping for him. Like and he, he, he had Sturgis going big time. Yeah, he's been a face what a month, probably less. Yeah. Um yeah. but yeah, it just it just proves like even in front of a fucking crowd of bikers that have no clue what's going on in the product, Eddie got yeah. over. What's interesting is, um I don't know if you've noticed a thing that particularly on this show was happening, but did you notice that almost to an uncomfortably theatrical level, they were hamming up communicating to you who was the face and who was the heel in these matches? Mm, I didn't notice. Why What? Why do you think they're being so So, awkward? the reason behind this, I was, again, between Bischoff and, and reading, um, there was a lot of fear coming back here a third time after the previous two times. There had been some elements of racism in the crowd. No. I shocked, I know. Oh. Um so they were particularly afraid with um the black wrestlers yeah. and the Latino wrestlers that they would get booed. So what they would do is they would make it extra clear to the crowd you are supposed to cheer this guy. You're supposed to boo that guy. So hopefully everyone followed the script. Um, Eddie seemed to be one that he was a babyface anyway, but it didn't even take him coming in and being all like babyface house of fire. Like he was on the apron waiting to come in and, and they were chanting yeah. big time for him. So this guy is just like, again, very few ever like him in the business. Like he's so good. Um, one thing I will say for a guy who doesn't like to sell that much, the first like, and maybe it's because of the two fucking anchors he's with. Um, Vamp spends the first like three minutes here, pretty consistently just selling for all three baby faces. Well, I I put that down to he's not gonna fuck with Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, and if the match was laid out to we're getting our shine early, then you can get the heat on us. Yeah. I don't think Vamp Guerrero is brave enough to fuck with a Guerrero. Yeah, what's funny is because of that construction to the psychology psychology of the match, there is an element of the story here where Vampiro has to desperately tag in Shaggy Two Dope to help. Yeah, I mean, look, I love that idea. A lot of the heat segment is the ICP in the ring. Yeah, and I I was I was fully on. Will Shaggy Two Dope's pants fall down again? Watch, <laughs> they didn't. They didn't, and they didn't seem to be in danger of, but I did notice their jerseys were both quite baggy and t- completely tucked out this time, so you couldn't see Shaggy's belt line to see if his pants fell down. So he could have been poo-bearing it, for all I know, for half this match, and I would never find out. So you're basically saying they're Schrodinger's pants, we don't know if they were up or down. They were in a quantum superposition, I, yeah. could, never, I could never speculate as to what was happening. Uh, Vampiro, like when he's out on the apron now, he just looks like he's like, um, I'm fucking done with this. I'm not enjoying myself now. Um, Eddie back in the ring with uh, Vamp. One of the things that is th- like, it's just such a, he makes it look so simple, but it is one of the most gorgeously executed moves in professional wrestling is Eddie Guerrero's step up Hurricane Rana. Mm-hmm. So good. Where he has the wrist control, yeah. like ah, oh, it's just so perfect every time. And again, like he makes it look like it's nothing. That's one of the moves um, you'd always give your like your creator wrestler in whatever wrestling game. Yeah. 
Um, ICP come in to double team. Shaggy goes up top, gets crotched um, and superplexed. Hot tag to Ray. It's Ray versus Violent J, a main event in any arena. Um, Raven drags out Ray and throws him into the steps. Vampiro spike on the floor, which I thought was very rough. Ray is completely stone dead now. Um, the heat gets uh, put on Ray, worked over very boringly, but like, oh my god. I know it's the only spot you can trust him in not to fuck up, but also how tedious is it to watch a violent Jay have the heat and have against all people Rey Mysterio Jr. Working the knee. Yeah. 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 Just... Uh, Tanae says, and I do believe this to be true. I haven't looked it up, but I very much believe this to be true. That when ICP signed their first record deal, the first thing they bought was a wrestling ring for their back garden. Yeah, and it's probably still the wrestling ring they use for, uh, for JCP. JCP. Yeah. Um, today also tries to make them sound really cool, saying that radio stations these days are too afraid to play the oh, ICP. No, God. it's that they're dog shit, Mike. It, this is late 90s American radio. There's very little they wouldn't play. Let me tell you about a guy called Howard Stern. <laughs> and the shit that guy was getting away with on, on radio. Biggest star in the um, world, fucking Eminem. Like. Yeah. A woman, oh my God, there's one woman in the crowd and she is my spirit animal because she just spends a, a concerted period of time giving the ICP absolute shit from... Soft lines. You can hear her say things like, "Oh, you look like a stupid clown." She's <laughs> great. I love her. Um, I, I like I. That was the one thing I made out she said. But then you could hear like a constant <laughs> for minutes of this match. Uh, running power slam for Shaggy Two Dope. That actually didn't look. Yeah, that it wasn't bad. too bad. Uh, as Raven is trying to give a pep talk to Violent J, like, you know, stop being so shit. Um, Ray blocks a corner charge, hits a split-legged moonsault, hot tag to Kidman, who hits a pair of extremely stiff drop kicks to the clowns, uh, and then the match breaks down. Vamp, of all people, of all people on his team, is the one that completely loses place of, as to where he's supposed to be when this match breaks down, which leads to a very awkward spot where he's supposed to be uh, tricked into super kicking Shaggy and he forgets where he's supposed to be standing and has to be almost shoved. I think it's Ray has to shove him into place mm-hmm. to do it. And then he remembers what he's supposed to do. Super kicks Shaggy, shooting star press for the win for the baby faces. This was bad it was bad and it gets worse from here which is unbelievable when you this was this was if you can believe it the second highest rated match on this show um it wouldn't be for me uh it is um now there are no negative star matches there should be on this show there are two duds um this match got two and a quarter stars from the wrestling observer newsletter uh that is extremely generous um next up we go straight into uh, this is one thing i do appreciate about this show as bad as it was at least we were getting match 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 
Yes. It was nonsense in the ring, but there was very little nonsense in between matches. So I did appreciate that. World Tag Team title match. The Triad. Bam Bam Bigelow and Canyon versus the reformed Harlem Heat. Video package again. So funny to see a crowd of bikers do the raised roof. Yeah, that is great. Um, This is the first time I've noticed that the, the Triad's official music here is a mashup of the Mortis and DDP music. Did they not? I thought it just came out to the Canyons music. Oh, did they? I thought they did. I thought it was. Oh, because that, that's what he had maybe. the Mortis entrance to do. do, do oh, the big yes. Sorry, sorry. I forgot that his thing kicks into it. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. That's my mistake. That's my mistake. It's keeping up with these redubbed WWE. Ah, uh, see, if it, was the, if it was the DDP redub, I would have noticed. But yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um. So, bam, bam. God, like, just nothing is with him in this. And, like, this is another bad showing from him. But the thing that is the most, like, this is a sign from God that you just need to go back to bed, Bam Bam, is that he's halfway down the ramp and his belt pops off his gut. Yeah, he goes to raise his arms and the belt just pops off. It's just like <laughs> The oh. tag team title explodes off his waist. I'm like, oh, Bam, I feel so bad. And he has a dog shit night. He is just out of place, he's doesn't know where so he bad. is. He just is completely bad washed is an understatement here in this match um canyon gets on the mic the sturgis crowd rev the engines to drown him out uh, and this is what i mean by trying to head off at the pass i think they were afraid particularly that harlem heat would get booed yeah because they they uh, really played up the canyon stuff they laid it thick uh, one thing I did not like, and it was kind of thumbs down on it, because one of these two men absolutely should know better than this. No matching gear for Harlem Heat. <laughs> uh, I think the fact that they're not around very long, kind of, it plays into that. They're around for quite a while, quite a few months. Oh, are they? They're, they're around as a tag team until the new year, my friend. Oh, man. I'm yeah. on Dalit affected that they just get together and yeah, break yeah. up again. Because I thought it was short, much shorter as well, but we looked it up, um, and they are teaming up as far, up as far as the end of the year into the new year. I think. Oh God! I could I could be Mandela affecting that, but I'm pretty sure we we looked it up. Man, what a waste um, of Booker! Oh, now this this tag team title run. They're about to go on. That doesn't stay around for very long. I'd be surprised if they're champions by the time we get to Thunder. Anyway. Uh, they are, but not the following Thunder. <laughs> Fucking great. Fantastic. <laughs> Can't wait. Uh, <laughs> Harlem Heat uh, run wild straight away, clear the ring. Uh, Stevie completely forgets he's supposed to whip Bam Bam for a second, and things get really awkward because Bam Bam just froze. <laughs> Like, talk about a, a guy who was such a pro. Yeah, he's like a fucking. He's a so experienced and such a great wrestler. And to see him just yeah. like you say, he did. He just froze on the spot. Like, uh, fuck, what? What do we do? Yeah. Uh, some kid in the crowd tells Canyon to get a haircut. Uh, Stevie nearly kills Bam Bam Bigelow with a scoop slam. He gets him oh, three quarters of the way up fuck. and nearly dropped him onto the top of his head. I fucking... It was at this point I went, right, this is a mess. Yeah, it was an absolute mess. Uh, it's all all Harlem Heat early on. And I was legitimately... Th- I just, let me just... Is this going to be just a complete squash? Like, is there going to be heat at all? 
Um, the heels have to go outside and regroup. Uh, Brain, oh, this is so funny. This is like classic continuity WCW. Because Brain, like some synapses fire in his head from what's been happening the last few months. He's like, hey, the triad used to be with Ric Flair. Charles Robinson is the referee in this match. And then obviously WCW has decided to completely drop Oh, Little Nate. Yeah, he's no longer Little Nate. Because immediately... Tanae and Shoddy obviously have been shouted at down the headset because they're like, uh, well, you know, uh, he's um, he's not going to try that now because he doesn't have Ric Flair to back him up. Uh, yeah. And like basically going, uh, please forget what Bobby just said. We're not doing that anymore. Thank you. When it was literally just the past night draw where it was Charles Robinson can't be the referee in this David Flair match. It was so funny how quickly they tried to like get, sweep that. Like, oh, no, we don't want you to remember that right now. Yeah. We don't want you to remember that because this match isn't going to make sense. Uh, Bam Bam is so off the pace. Like I said, he's blown up. He's awkward. He's out of place. And let me tell you that Stevie Ray is not good enough to balance that out in the ring as a dance partner. Um, Hang on. Here's one for you. Is Stevie Ray your favorite wrestler that's really, really, really bad? I, I you really like love Stevie Ray. I just, he is so shit. Like, <laughs> but he's great. But he's shit. But he's great. I always feel bad for burying him because I know how much you enjoy him. Well, it's not so much Stevie Ray the wrestler. It's Stevie Ray, the arguably worst commentator of all time. That I love. Is that amazing that he's never got a job in wrestling after WCW? It's not that amazing because you. I will ask you if it's still amazing to you by the time we finish. Oh the no, no, this no! Podcast. Listen, I know he's going to be dog shit on commentary, but like the fact that his so brother was Booker T, who's been employed ever since 2001. Yeah. Now, look, if there's ever a company that needs to employ someone to let everyone know what suckers got to know this week, Stevie's your guy. Like, why, uh, why wasn't the MLW giving Stevie a call? Yeah, they called practically anybody else. Like, um, the NWA had Velvet Sky as commentator. Yeah. God, didn't they? I, like, think of the people that have been, like, relatively high up the card in Billy's NWA. Like, Stevie Ray now is probably better than at least a couple of them. Definitely better than Tyrus. Oh, yeah, easily. Yeah. I mean, I'm better than Tyrus. Um, I mean, is Trevor Murdoch still NWA champion? No, it's EC3, isn't it? Because he beat Tyrus. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. Oh, yeah, because Tyrus yeah. beat Murdoch, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway. So brief heat here. Uh, long chin lock spot. Stevie tries to fight out, but Kitchen Sink and a headbutt puts him back down. Canyon uses the ropes for a two count. Stevie gets some punches, a slam, misses an elbow drop. Uh, triad tried to go for the uh, the assisted pile driver. Stevie slingshots Canyon into the corner, knocking Bam Bam down. Hot tag and Booker goes absolutely wild. Gets a good reaction from the crowd as well, I will say. Um, goes for the axe kick but gets low bridged. Bam Bam goes to work on him on the outside, smashing Booker's head into the rails, then back at the steps. Back in the ring and Canyon tries to book put Booker away with a top rope famouser. Uh, doesn't work the first time. Goes for it again, but gets powerbombed. Booker tags out, but bundled out of the ring by Bammer at the same time that he tags. The heels gang up on Stevie, who is fighting valiantly, but DDP comes out on the apron. 
Stevie reverses a whip, bam bonks page, missile dropkick from Booker, and Stevie covers for the win. Harlem Heat are your new WCW Tag Team Champions. This was a royal fucking mess. Dog shit. Steve, uh, Booker T deserves so much better than this. Uh, yes. Three of... Uh, or no, two, two... Like, I guess... Bam Bam doesn't physically have it, but I have enough respect for him that he, I would say he deserves better. Um, Canyon absolutely Canyon, deserves better. Canyon absolutely deserves better, and Booker deserves the world. Like, that was one thing that was so fucking grating about listening to the Bischoff thing, was Bischoff trying to claim retrospectively that, like, he knew Booker was, like, world championship level material. Like, give him the fucking belt, mate. Yeah, you're, li- you you're literally doing a Hulk Hogan rehash. In the fucking yeah. event. Like, come on. Yeah. It's fucking ridiculous. Um, next is our six-man tag team match. The Revolution. Dean Malenko, Perry Saturn, and Shane Douglas versus the West Texas Rednecks. Barry Windham, Bobby Duncan Jr. That's right. Windcomb are back, and they've got Kurt Hennig with them this time. Uh, and Kendall Windham on the outside. So does that mean um, that the perfect wind come? The perfect wind come. Yes. Um, but just <laughs> doing the towel throw gimmick with like the oh no Dave, come on <laughs> you went too far I mean just a fully st- just a fully start tissue going oh. flying under the <laughs> sink a three pointer with it then <laughs> <laughs> to get this back on track somewhat what what did you think of the revolution's conspiracy team music just like fucking generic <laughs> I feel a bit generic fucking, fucking like, x-files background music yeah you'd hear in a fucking jesse ventura fucking podcast yeah um i also liked how uh clearly someone fucked up in production yes and uh, the rednecks came out to rap his crap uh, about five seconds after the commentator started talking about the new song good old boys I think it's at the, that point and Shivani was like that's it I'm not looking at my she for the rest of the night who cares <laughs> it was so funny because like it was clearly rap is crap but they're obviously also switched off that it was only Tanay noticed and it even took Tanay a few seconds yeah he's like oh um, I, I think this is uh, I, I think it's oh. rap is crap yeah, I probably should have said uh, the last match, by the way, one star. Deservedly so. Yeah. Um. So, uh, Perry Saturn. Like, I love, right? God bless Perry Saturn. But clearly, Shane Douglas was specifically brought in to be the stick guy for the revolution. So why is Perry Saturn getting on the mic here? Are you going to tell Perry Saturn now? <laughs> No, I'm not going to tell Barry Saturn, no. Uh, he says he don't, they don't care about the Rednecks. They don't care about Chad Brock, but they will start with them no problem uh, in terms of, like, the first uh, the first team up to the chopping block for the revolution. Um, this is really fucking messy, Lee. There is one of the things I harp on on and off on this show um, is the state of agenting in this company. Mm-hmm. Um... It's all over the place. Matches very seldom for the last year tell an actual story. 
spot repeat, match I'm, to match. I'm particularly disappointed in these guys because I think one team both should know better and physically can do better. And the other team, even though they're all washed physically, two of them definitely know better. This is just, like, this is the most fucking, like, uh, it's the most repetitive. Everybody just gets in the ring one at a time, does a couple of spots, and then the next person tags in. Mm-hmm. And that's the match for the most part. Duncan hits a stiff boot on Douglas. Wyndham looks like dog shit. <laughs> Uh, there's one point where he gets fed into a suplex from I think Perry Saturn and he barely goes up for it it's just happening the heels are lumbering around new revolution man tags in does some moves then a new heel tags in and we go through the cycle again I will say the best worker in this whole match is Bobby Heenan who is doing his level best to get Shane Douglas over Mm mm-hmm He's really putting this guy over. Um, a, Pix- a Pittsburgh plunge attempt is stopped by Hennig. Hennig and Kindle go to work on him uh, outside uh, till Douglas picks him up. And the best way I could put it is, you know that like where you pick up the guy as if you're going to atomic drop him? Um, he does that, but instead of dropping him down on his knee, he runs him directly into the ring post with his arse. Um, so he completely arsed him into the ring post Um, Hennig press slams Douglas off the top to allow Wyndham to get the heat Uh, oh that's what I was going to say and it was that point where I was like Barry Wyndham and Shane Douglas have been wrestling here for over two minutes of this match and I'm like I wonder if at any point anyone is going to draw attention to the fact that Shane Douglas is wrestling a man with considerable history with his arch enemy. Well, also the fact that Barry Windham and Shane Douglas had multiple matches in 1992, both as partners and opponents. Look, Lee, they clearly weren't going to refer to that. (laughs) But I thought at least because Shane Douglas is burying Flair on promos again. Now, we did read in the Observer the other day, currently Flair is on the outs again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So maybe that was just like a bite edict he wasn't going to get mentioned. Um... The crowd completely loses oh, interest in they this. They had less than any fucks to give about anybody in this match. The heat is so uninteresting. It's kick punch. It's basic moves. There is no strategy. Like, this is the thing as well that I, I hate about pointless heat. No one is focusing on a limb, a particular person. They're just doing moves because this is the part of the match where we do moves on you. Mm-hmm. There's nothing interested to it. Um, Saturn got a hot tag, and this match threatened to break out into an actual match, but Wynd- Wyndham cuts that off. And I, I need to tell you that when that happens, when his comeback get cut, gets cut off, second straight match, because this is how all tag matches happened, the match breaks down. I have never, in all my days, heard less of a crowd reaction to a match breaking down. <laughs> yeah, it was real fucking bad. Um like even like the rednecks had Kendall on the outside, and even like he gets involved. It's like he doesn't know how to use a cowbell. Yeah, it's just like 
the most basic stuff nobody in this match can seem to do correctly. Yeah, I ever, even the guys who are good are on completely different pages in this. Um, Cloverleaf is in on Hennig, but Kendall attempts to attack with the cowbell, badly as you say. Uh, there's a schmoz and Perry gets Duncan up. Nearly lost him and his life on uh, the Death Valley driver, but got him anyway because that man is just a big, strong boy. Um, Saturn then in the win after the DVD pops his cowboy hat on. Um, they oh, what I did they they did Perry dirty though because when they do the slow motion replay, they included the part of the DVD where he nearly dropped him. Yeah. Now, to like be you fair, couldn't have just clipped two seconds off that. It does look impressive when he just fucking heaves him up anyway. Just powers him up, yeah. yeah. Uh, another terrible match. What did that get in the Observer? It, this might be the lowest rated match that I can recall Perry Saturn or Dean Malico being in on our run. This got three quarters of one star. And I even feel that's generous. Like, I'm struggling to see where you get the three quarters from. Yeah. Now, I did say we weren't, uh, to you off the air, we weren't going to talk about news that gets reported in the Observer later this week. But there is something we do have to talk about as we get to our next match. Okay. Buff Bagwell versus The Cat. Right. Do you know what is significant about this match? Uh, I don't, but go for it. Mere moments before, depending on who you ask, moments, minutes, or just before the show started, these men got in a fist fight. Okay. Backstage over the finish. Oh, that's this finish. Yeah, yeah, okay. The finish was changed because I think it was Buff went running to Nash about being unhappy with the finish. Um... Some say the finish was changed and some say the finish is exactly what it was supposed to be and Buff had been annoyed that he was going to win the match but get beaten up and look like an idiot. But these guys basically, yeah, they they got in a big fight backstage. Would you believe it on 83 weeks, Bischoff was bigging up his boy the cat. No. Saying that he doesn't think it was really much of a skirmish because, I mean, if it is, Ernest clearly would have destroyed him. Um... Because I love this. Like, he's so, such a martial arts wanker that he's like, well, there's no way that anybody could withstand a world karate champion. And I always, it's not, I always say, like, I kind of know what you mean because obviously he's a trained martial artist, but also you're presupposing that the man he's fighting will fight fair. Yes. Like, you can be a world martial arts champion all you want. Like, if, if, Buck ba- if Buck Bagwell reared back and just hoofed him in the bollocks, I think that would be a bit of an equalizer. Also, there's a um, chance that Buff gets the four shot in, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, yeah, they had their fight, and whether the finish was changed or not, again, it seems to depend on your person. Uh, you ask, but yes, they managed to. It was a bad match, but like, I, I guess credit to them in a way that like they didn't just like walk off, that they still came out and had a match. This having happened, um, I this is the first match, by the way, without a video package, and uh, deserved, I would have to say. I didn't want to have to rewatch this feud for any length of time. Um, I will say, again, you try to give credit where credit's due in this company. I had a good laugh 
at Kat's biker gear as well as Sonny's. I think Sonny looks great with the, the vest with no shirt and the, the leather cap. Yeah. Um, I, I, I we need, need to say... We need to talk about the Kat's gloves. I, we, oh, this is my next point. I think on this night, Ernest Miller was the bravest man in professional wrestling. Yes. Because given that the company was worried about racist back- backlash, this man came out and I don't think anyone attempted more to antagonize these bikers who had now been drinking heavily for quite some time. <laughs> Dressing like them to lampoon them. Literally threatening to fight them during his entrance. And then revealing, as you alluded to, Lee, that he was wearing Confederate flag fingerless gloves. Mm-hmm. Fuck me. This takes... I mean, we Irish have a very elegant phrase to describe somebody with this kind of bravery. Uh, neck like a jockey's bollocks. <laughs> yes. Like, what percentage of the bikers in around the ring do you think were armed? <laughs> That's, I, did, I did write at one point that they were very likely armed, these people he was antagonising. Like, I'd say a good... I'll be conservative. Yeah, that's a, I literally wrote, he's a brave man to do this, antagonising fans bit on a crowd that are almost definitely armed. Like, I'd be conservative. I'd say 70% of the people in attendance at this show stormed the capital. <laughs> I didn't see Jericho's wife there. Actually, backstage. <laughs> Out of camera shot, like always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... But, like, yeah, like, there was absolutely people in that crowd that had weapons that probably weren't afraid to use them. And Miller, to his credit, like you say, he walks down the ramp. There's a guy he squares up to. And Miller, like, feigns to hit him. The guy doesn't flinch. The guy does not move an inch. I I would have given this man a hefty pay-per-view bonus for this. Just out of sheer fucking respect. I think he's a terrible wrestler. I never want to see him wrestle again. But I saw him do all this and like get in the ring and get on the mic and tell them to shut their stupid mini bikes off. And I was like, mate, the fact he made it out of this city in one piece is like my uh, my hat is off to you. Mm-hmm. I also think it's so fucking funny the way they built this feud where Cat is the heel, which means that the defender of bikers worldwide was Buff Daddy. Yes. That's great stuff. He's buff and he's the stuff and he loves his bikes. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a great moment here where, like, it's such a 1999 moment that... So this crowd is, in terms of age profile, is primarily middle-aged. Right? Mm. And it has been middle-aged bikers and their wives who we have seen, or their girlfriends, I don't presume. Possibly Marital both. status. Possibly both. <laughs> Um, there is one shot as is like clearly brain has been zombified this whole show and there is one shot as this match starts where the camera cuts to a very attractive young lady in a bikini in the crowd and brain screams whoa so loud he nearly blew out his mic 
<laughs> just like there's this fleeting shot. He just goes, Whoa! <laughs> was it this match or was it, I think it could have been the follow-on match. Where again, <laughs> he like, sounded like he was scared of his own erection. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's that? Ah, <laughs> uh, now I remember. <laughs> Sorry, you're you're making a point there about the wrestling. I actually wasn't. There's was another crowd shot. It's either this match or the next match. Um, and again, you see a woman in the bikini, and Tony goes, "Oh, there's my lift home." And Brain just quick as a wick goes, "Oh, the guy with the blue glasses." <laughs> and Shivani's just dead quiet. Uh, Tony, uh, and I think this was Tony being a little bit cheeky, says, "Trust me, these men do not like each other." Ah, uh, okay, Mister. Now, I had to tip the cap to the Sturgis crowd at this point. Because they begin to chant Pussycat. Yes. That is a good bit. Mm-hmm. And I hope that continues. Um, Maybe a minute or two into this match, Tony screams, oh, this match is really breaking down. They've done nothing. Yep. I, I, like, I, ha- I have is... less than no notes for this match. I called it some smoke and mirrors, Butlin's bullshit. Um, I guess for non-UK Ireland listeners, should we explain the phenomenon of Butlin's wrestling? I think we have, we have before. Yeah, so if you're a new listener to the show, maybe it's like family-friendly spot shows that would pop up at these holiday chain camps. of su- yeah. holiday camps called Butlin's. It's the it's clearly like if you've ever been to a family oriented wrestling show with like no real names on it, you know the thing. It's like all the cheap heat, all the easy, you know, your local sports team sucks is how we get heat and it's all the cheapest tricks in the trade because at a family friendly show, that's all you need. You know what I mean? Because you're going to send the kids home happy that way. Uh, And that's what this match was. It was like now these guys have been involved in a fist fight so the fact that they were getting in the ring and actually fucking cooperating with one one another I guess is a minor miracle in and of itself but it is like it's so lazy this this whole show is wall to wall lazy professional wrestling I think there's only one match that really tries to be anything more than that and it's not even that great compared to what they're both men are capable of we'll talk about that in a couple of minutes um, Cat does a foot choke in the corner, hits a standing sidekick. Um, I noticed the injuries to both men during this. Okay. So Cat has like what looks like a mouse under his eye from a punch or something being thrown and hitting him in the face. And Buff's elbow is completely like scratched and fucked up uh, from the fight. Oh, I'll have to go. I'll, I might take... actually go back and check that out now just to see. It. His elbow is all bloody. The The cat thing is harder to spot. And it's like, I kind of almost a certain point, I was like, was it just a bit of shadow on his eye or something mm. like that? But it looks like there's a mouse under one of his eyes. Um, and yeah, you, el- the elbow, uh, Buff's elbow is blatant. Like that. It's like he hadn't taken anything and it was like all grazed and cut open. Um, so that's that's obviously what's after happening. Um, in fair, <laughs> there's a, I wrote, in fairness to them, they don't really have to do any more than this because inexplicably the crowd is reacting to this 
And I guess it's because Kat riled them up so much that they're just like, oh, fuck this guy. We want to see him get beaten, even if it's by the pretty boy. Um, also, you know, the pace. Yeah, also racism. Uh, the pace of the match is glacial and Buff just won with a roll-up. I wrote, fuck off. I just have pointless. It's just, well, like, I, like, what is this achieving for anyone in the company? Nothing. And especially when, again, I'd throw hands over this because it makes no sense that you get the babyface to have his triumphant thing and then Kat just beats him down afterwards. So, God forbid, must this feud continue? Probably to another not. pay-per-view? I hope not. I hope This is one time where I really hope the continuity goes out the window and they just completely forget about this. I did laugh as we transitioned to the next match because there was an, the most American sight possible where they showed a gigantic American flag in the crowd uh, with superimposed images of a motorcycle and an eagle on it. Full rock flag and eagle. I roared. This is great. Ted, like a Ted, um, Ted Nugent fucking concert. Oh, mate. Um, this match, by the way, dud. Yeah. And I cannot argue that. Uh, our next match, the WCW United States heavyweight title. No DQ match. Chris Benoit, Diamond Dallas Page. The video package for this match was pretty decent. I think it made the feud seem like it had been going on longer and was more kind of a big and prominent deal on TV than it actually was. Mm -hmm. It made it feel like they didn't just hotshot the US title onto Benoit a week ago. Yeah, like there was absolutely no indication that this was the plan up until Nitro. Yeah, yeah. Now it's all, oh, in hindsight. Ha ha ha. Um... Look, let's just talk about it now, Lee. I was tremendously disappointed by this match. I hate, like, I don't say I hate this match. I thought this was real bad. Like, just for the level that we'd expect from these two. Um, what is happening to DDP, man? I was just going to say, like, for a guy we were so high on. And he's good again. He has more good matches before W. It's not like he's just done now. It's just the last, like, would you say three months? He just seems I mean, as long as the triad has been around, all three guys, like, much as I kind of enjoy the idea of the triad, I think in practice it's bad. Yeah, they just... Because, like... They just don't see... Canyon... Yeah. Canyon doesn't wrestle that much anymore, at least as a single, which we really always enjoyed as singles matches. DDP is stuck in this, like, he was one of the best promos in the company, and now he's just doing Stick. big fat ma jokes. Yeah. Um... And yeah, like we we've talked about Bam Bam already. And then Benoit comes out here and like this is a guy who's one of the very few in our lifetime who like regardless of, if you're his opponent and regardless of if you're capable of or interested in having a good match, Benoit is going to drag you to one. But like clearly Benoit just he didn't seem at the races tonight either. Like there are certain moments where they do some stuff and there's a couple of decent sections of the match I, I think that's the perfect way to describe this match they do some stuff and it's kind of okay yeah but it, it's it's like if you and I got in a ring and tried to do a Benoit DDP match with no training and it's like we would know the spots that we know these guys hit 
but we wouldn't know where to put it or how to get an organic mm-hmm. reaction for it. That's what it felt like. It felt like two guys like sleepwalking through a cover version of what they're capable of. And it was just it just left me kind of hollow. There was nothing mechanically no, wrong with it, but it just didn't there, there's nothing connect. to sink your teeth into on this match. Like there's until the finish where the whole story becomes Benoit overcomes the triad, there's literally yeah. nothing to this match. Yeah. Yeah, it's profoundly disappointing for for what we know these guys can do. And like they made it no DQ. It's the least no DQ match on the fucking second half of the show. Every other match on this, like for the rest of the show, has more elements that you would say would better suit an ODQ match. Mm. Do you know what? It, like, there are certain wrestlers. I was having a conversation, um, and they, neither of these wrestlers typically are in this category, but it made me think of this style of wrestling. Um, myself and Garrett and, and Jack uh, were having this conversation about like who are the greatest wrestlers we've seen in our entire lifetimes uh, and a lot of people get, get thrown in the mix your Danielsons, your Joes, your AJs you know we, we got a lot of Sean's career so Sean was on the list we talked about the merits of Jericho being on the list you know people like that where maybe the promos were at a higher level than the matches and and things like that but there is a, like a, a substrata of wrestlers who it's like their body of work is incredible in terms of maybe mechanical output. But in terms of genuine crowd reaction, you know, because when we, we the, the, the reason this came up was we were talking about Tanahashi mm. and the Tanahashi chiefly he transcends the barriers of language and everything like that because Tanahashi when he wrestles makes you feel something oh yeah and these two men like Benoit and Paige we have showered with praise for two years on the uh, of WCW in this podcast that their matches made you feel something you know we were so behind organic baby face uh, studied wrestler DDP Obviously, you don't need to get into talking about the physicality and intensity of a Benoit match. Mm-hmm. And here we have these two guys wrestling like every guy you've seen on indie who is mechanically knows exactly what they're doing. They're clearly well trained, but they cannot connect in a way that makes you feel anything. That's what this match was like. It was so uncharacteristic. I was so fucking disappointed with them. Yeah, I, th- I think that. Um, I think that, that these are the kind of guys. That... I, th- I think that's a good way of putting it. Is there was no, there was no passion from either of them for here, and there was nothing for the fans to kind of engage with because it was literally these two just going through the motions. As you say, yeah. they knew what to do, they knew when to do it, but there was just there was no feeling to it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and like I've written down a bunch of kind of like the the spots and stuff, but it's not really, I don't feel a point in like going through, like the triple Germans were were obviously cool. Uh, Benoit does a cool wrist controlled backflip reversal of a sidewalk slam attempt that that looked cool. Um, 
the thing I want to talk about is the finish because I felt the finish was so fucking weird for this. So like the triad one by one comes out and starts interfering, right? And then they do a weird thing because like triad interfering, you wouldn't bat an eyelid at this. And maybe for a second, I had forgotten that Ben was now in a stable as well. But they cut to backstage where the revolution are watching this unfold on a TV screen. And they're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Now, I think after the bell, the commentators scramble to say, oh, well, the revolution want to do it fairly and they're going to let their men fight their battles. They're not going to sink into the games of interfering in matches like everybody else does around here. But like what it... I don't know, maybe this is me overanalyzing it, Lee, but what it came off to me as, they were watching their man get triple teamed. And even though he overcame it and won, it made the revolution look dumb. And it especially made the triad then look dumb because now one man has easily overwhelmed all three of you. I think the, the way to do it was either... Yeah, you could have Benoit overwhelm the three of them and still win, but don't also show the revolution watching just not bothering yeah. to help out their mate. I think it was you, know? you have to do one or the other. Either you see them watching and then they get involved and take out Bam Bam and Canyon, or you just don't show them and you show Benoit overcome them. But like you say, the Triad have now lost the tag, t- tag team titles and been beaten one on three in the same night. Yeah. yeah. So they're kind of done. Yeah, it's a it's a very very bad night for them. Uh, we get Chad Demiani from the website to give away the bike with the ladies of Iron Horse. Um, behind the ladies of Iron Horse, there is a terrifying, perhaps serial killer of a man with a beard staring a hole through everyone with a, an expression that does not change the entire segment. <laughs> Fucking horrifying. Um, they announced the winner and it was very funny because the president of Iron Horse got on the uh, the microphone to deliver the news as to who won and he was the most awkward man alive um, when he was there but at least the segment didn't outstay its welcome I guess next up we have your boy Lee Sid Vicious uh, versus Sting oh uh, I should I keep doing this because I'm just like trying to rocket through this show what do you think this match got? The the last one, DDP and Benoit. Two and a half. Three and a quarter. Oof. Extremely yeah, generous. That's not three and a quarter match. Uh, that that's just getting a star rating because it's Benoit DDP. Um. Yeah. Sid comes out. Sid is the first fucking mega star in the show. Like he's the first guy that comes out that feels larger than fucking the rest of this this roster. Yeah. Not just physically. I I. I as the official Sid correspondent, do you want to take this match? Um, I mean, I, I don't have a ton of spots written down. What I kind of there wasn't a ton of spots in it. Like, I mean, there wasn't. Um, no, even though it was ten minutes long. Was it ten minutes? I actually it's think ten minutes. Yeah, I actually think this was the best match on the show. There was only two matches on the show that were sub ten minutes. All right. Okay. Which is mental. Although a couple of them are almost bang on 10 minutes. Um, yeah, I thought this was the best match on the show, to be honest. Um, I think they've done a real good job with Sid. After the initial bringing him in with Macho, I think this kind of realignment to the Millennium Man going after 
Goldberg's streak. Yeah. I'm very much into this run. Um, I mean, look. I mean, it, I mean, I guess it's one of those things where, like, if you're gonna do it, you have to commit. And even though I think I personally bristle at what was essentially a squash of Sting. Yes. Um. I guess if your idea is to put the rocket on Sid, then I guess doing a shocking dominant win against a Sting is a powerful move in that direction. I, I, it's see, actually committing to beating someone. I think a squash is kind of downplaying how how much shine like Sting got in this match. Like it was all Sting very early on. It was all Sting right yeah. at the finish. Yeah, it's just that I guess the the element of the squad, the element to which it just seemed like overly dominant was Sid just shaking off three stinger splashes. Sid had an answer for everything Sid, uh, Sting hit him with. That was that's where I think yeah. the squash element comes in. Um, yeah. like Sting would go for multiple stinger splashes and he'd missed like the second or third one, or Sting would go for a move and Sid would have a counter. Like he'd go for a, a running stinger splash on the on the. Matt and Sid to get the knees up or stuff like that. Um so yeah, I think Sid was made to look really good. Um yeah. I loved the finish. Like it literally came out of nowhere, yeah. but I fucking loved it. It was a surprise. Um yeah. Sting kind of in control on the comeback, hits two stinger splashes into a corner. Or he actually hits a superplex first of all, and Sid stumbles into the corner where Sting gets two stinger splashes, goes for the third, and Sid just catches him in a choke slam. Boom, that's it. He fucking planted him with the choke slam as well, should that. Um, certainly did. But yeah, I think the crowd literally woke up because the stars arrived for this match. Yeah. Um both guys got great receptions, I thought. Um yeah, I'm just very much into this this Sid uh this Sid push and I'm looking forward to watching it unfold. Well I gotta tell you, Uncle Dave disagreed with you. Half a star. What? I don't like. I don't think I, I. I wasn't as into this match as you were, but I don't think half a star is necessarily fair either. I think they both think it was. Really it hard. was too. It, the match was too over and had too fun of a finish to be half a star. I think they worked hard, like considering, like yeah. this field was probably the least pushed of the three involving. The, the warring faction, I suppose you could call them, of Nash, yeah. Steiner, and Sid. Um, mm. And, like, they even Tony even mentions Sid, Sid and Sting has happened before. That's all he said. It's happened before. Yeah. Um, so we even got some basic WCW lore. Yeah. Um, next up, I want to uh, keep you on lead commentary just for the entrance portion of this match so that you can fulfill your gimmick. That's not uh, a Rick, gimmick. <laughs> Rick Steiner versus Goldberg. And uh, to go over to Crusham Watch uh, with Lee Malone, uh, what's the status of Crusham this week? They're pricks. That's what the status is. Um, <laughs> yeah, we got the Goldberg WWE fucking, not even the good one, they got the fucking WWE version this week. Yeah. That's the most confusing thing. Sometimes it's the WCW one. Sometimes it's the WWE yeah. one. Sometimes it's just fucking crush them. I genuinely think the people in the WWE music department don't have an ear to tell the difference. They probably don't, actually, yeah. They just have two tracks labelled Goldberg.mp3. I have to say, this was the f- like 
the most I don't know whether it was the position of the camera or whatever it was about the sound on the show Rick Steiner's entrance music has never sounded more like Welcome to the Jungle than it did on this night yeah yeah hammed up especially for those in attendance there's not really much to say about this like this is like the classic Goldberg five minute match um, there's one bit here that just shows like Rick Steiner is just not very good where both men run the ropes and Rick does this weird spinning arse first tackle I don't know what he was trying to do I think he I like think shit. I think he was trying to knock Goldberg to his ass and I think he got hit a little bit hard by Goldberg <laughs> yeah um, um, I will say he does a lot of work at him over with the knee brace as well yeah I, I just want to ask who in 1999 was asking for a Rick Steiner push? Rick Steiner. <laughs> That's who. And again, like to use your logic from earlier, are you telling Rick Steiner no? He comes to you and says he wants a push. No, but like I know, I know, I get that the Steiners are Nash's mates, and that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. But I mean, come on. Do you know what I'll say at least though? Do you know what I'll say at least? He didn't win. This is, again, I, mean, I think this is the second Rick Steiner push we've seen on the run of Thunder. And as soon as he gets to a pushed level where he's coming up against actual guys, he immediately loses. Yeah, that's... So at least there's that. Like Now, if he had beaten Sting in the last match, I'd be fucking incensed. What if he used the dogs? Oh, God. Yeah, mauled them again. Um, at least that'd be a callback, which would be very <laughs> rare for this company. Um, they, I, we did get my favourite... Goldberg non-finisher move the gorilla pe- press power slam that is such a fucking great move I had to say again Goldberg nearly lost Steiner he had to take a step back into it just to get yeah. him balanced but yeah, no, it's, yeah it is really impressive it was uh, the match was just fine for what it was like it was nothing special it was you know your Goldberg five minute match it's a fairly bulletproof formula even with someone as awkward as Rick Steiner in there mm-hmm um, you're getting your high spots, you're getting your entrances, you're getting your finishers. Boom, boom. A hardcore match. Oh, actually, again, the star rating for this was boom, 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 one quarter star. And yes, a hardcore match it is. What a hardcore match. What a spectacle for the semi mainly. I know when you remembered, when you were watching this show, you're like, ah, yes, we still have to watch this match two plus hours into this fucking show you were on the edge of your seat uh it's randy savage versus dennis rodman fuck me like is it's like the last thing you want to see isn't it yeah it really was um it was like as, as the show was going on like you say you kind of forget that the match was on the show because you're like oh fucking sid and sting are out goldberg and it's like oh grand main event left plenty of time and then you're like oh wait no they're still Macho Man and fucking Rodman. Yeah. Um, and I guess what, maybe it was, is it, do you think, communication from WCW that they knew this was the death spot and that this match was going to die on its arse and they just sent it out here anyway? No, I think Rodman's contract was main event, whatever, whatever, whatever. and Yeah. They could sell it as a co-main event type thing. Yeah. Um, what did you think of Dennis Rodman coming out on his house call? Uh, yeah, it was quite a look, wasn't it? But it's just like Dennis does what Dennis wants. It's maybe the 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 most fun I had with him in this match. It's just like, what the fuck are you wearing, mate? I think now I I think I'm gonna be on the island with this one. Maybe I was delusional by the time we got to this match. I didn't yeah. think this match was anywhere near as bad as it could have been. 
I can see where you're coming from. Because, like, it was pure smoke and mirrors and, like, fucking Walker Brawl, which we hate. Don't get me wrong. I do not need to see another Walker Brawl ever again in my life. But I think when you have these two involved and they were both very obviously gassed by the time they went outside in the ring... Um, I just thought they were fucking insane and fucking clobbering each other and hurting each other. And I was just like, yeah, this is pretty fucking fun, actually. In that way, I guess, if you, like, through a very specific lens, you could go, this wasn't as bad as it could have been. And yeah, like, I mean, at, at the very least, I would give it the credit that it didn't take up nearly as much of my life as that tag team match did on Bash at the Beach. Mm-hmm. Um which there were times in there where I was praying for the sweet release of death. Um, this didn't outstay its very brief welcome. Like, like it here, was 11 minutes 30, but like it's, it's, it's sub 15. So thank God. Is this Rodman's best match? I mean, of the, I mean, we've covered two, right? Mm-hmm. It's definitely the best of the two. Yeah. Um, Especially because like, you're grading it on the curve that Savage is washed. Mm-hmm. Um, and whereas Hogan is Hogan, you had Paige in that match who really should have been able to put together a better match. Well, and even Hogan, like for all his Hoganness, like has the Hogan spots. But as, as we established like last year, or whenever it was when we covered it, um, DDP absolutely worked down to Hogan's level instead of... Yeah getting yeah. the, the others to work up to his level like DDP the, got stuck in like people talk about the Jericho Vortex like it was the Hogan yeah. Vortex there are those wrestlers it's very like there's a there's a good sports analogy in there is that there are sports teams that it can be quite good um, but when they play teams that are very bad instead of wiping the floor with them they tend to almost like think they're going to cakewalk it and they end up mm-hmm. playing down to that team's level like I know for you and I Manchester United were like that for a long time even when we were successful where yes. we'd actually struggle more against the like dog the shit bottom teams. of the table yeah, yeah, teams yeah. and then breeze through a lot of the matches you think were going to be competitive fixtures well I mean there, there, um, there's always those teams in the Premier League that will always no matter what get a result against the top eight teams and then they'll yeah. come up against fucking Swindon Town in the FA Cup and get fucking destroyed yeah um but yeah, this is kind of the, the, the DDP phenomenon at that Bash at the Beach match. And I couldn't, I'm not going to give Randy Savage enough credit that he's doing this, like working down to, I think this is the level he's at now. Unfortunately, yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, what, God bless what, him. What what did you think of, um, what did you think of the match overall then? Like, like I said, I kind of enjoyed it for its level of not being a total fucking shit. Yeah. I think... I mean, my main thought that I came out with this was, like, is Dennis Rodman in the bottom five professional athletes trying their hand at wrestling? Like, he is one of the least coordinated human beings I've ever seen in a ring. Oh, he's so gangly. Like, he's just limbs everywhere. Yeah. The full giraffe on roller skates and yeah like the build of the man being a professional basketball player is not ideal for wrestling but then I look at you want to talk about like a, a giant basketball player in wrestling 
Shaq had a better match 20 years later. Yeah, that's true. Actually. In AEW. <laughs> like, that, I know that was smoke and mirrors to fuck, like, but... And also involved Brandy Rhodes. It also involved Brandy Rhodes and, like, Jade Cargill's first televised match. Mm-hmm. You know, like, there was a lot working against that, and it was substantially better, and they did smoke and mirrors kind of bullshit. But I guess, like, at least you had Cody in there in his physical prime. Uh, actually, um, seen as seen, seen, you mentioned uh, Jade Cargill, did you see who they're teasing her first feud with? Is it Charlotte? No, she was on NXT oh. last night. Oh, she's on NXT last night, because I saw her do this. She's just been doing the thing where she just, like, her gimmick is, I drive up to... Uh, to events in and outrageous get out outfits yeah. and stare at somebody. Yeah. No, she was so on she the, had to stare down. I, I can tell you I would pass away laughing if she just got fed to Charlotte. Oh, she absolutely She will. won't, like, she won't straight away anyway because, like, they seem to very much know they have, like, a potential star, but it would have been very funny. Well, you know, they're, they're doing a Becky Lynch versus Lyra Valkyrie. Valkyrie. Eva Valkyrie match. Lyra, actually. yeah, Lyra Valkyria, isn't it? Val- no, I think it's, I think it's just Valkyrie now. Could be oh, wrong. Valkyrie now. Okay. It could be Valkyria. Who knows? But yeah, they're doing that match next week for the NXT yeah. Women's Title, and yeah. they did like a little backstage segment of Valkyrie ripping up a Becky photo or something. Yeah. And then like, there's a screen in the background that all of a sudden Jade just pops up on, and just starts tapping her watch, our imaginary does, watch. Does Jade have like Solomon Crow powers? Uh, maybe. But she wasn't in the car this time, as far as we can tell. Maybe she, well, she might have been broadcasting live via satellite from the car. Um, so they're either teasing a Becky Lynch Jade match or a Lyra Valkyrie Jade Cargill match. I think it's got to be the latter. Like, they're not having Becky put over Jade on NXT. I Surely. Mean, Surely. I mean, who knows? But imagine, like, of all people to have Jade's first match in WWE, it's fucking Eva Valkyrie. That's mental. I will always shout out the fact that she had Hailstorm as her theme song on the Indies. Yes. That's that that Mucho's credit for that. We love Hailstorm in this house. Um I guess we gotta talk about the match a little bit. Um like I said, I, I was definitely more down on it than you were. You were very much I think I was fully broken. Yeah, um, like I mean I that talked that, about that's the start true. of the show. I was like, this show broke me in a way that WCW hasn't in a long time. So I think I was just mad. Um, I, I think every... I, res- I respect that they knew it was going to be dog shit. So they just threw everything at it. Like there was four or five yeah. bumps. I, I do think it was funny how much clear time stalling there was in an 11 minute match. Like how long did the segments of going up and down the ramp take? Well, see, that's what I was going to say. That's a long ramp. Yeah. <laughs> and they took your time going up that ramp <laughs> um, the one thing is and I hope it was gimmicked when Rodman um, throws uh, sorry Savage throws Rodman into the trash then he took out a guy who was queuing for the toilet puts Rodman in the porta cabin and tips it over mm-hmm. and you can see chunks start to leak out of the bottom of the porta cabin and I'm I don't like think- one, I hope it was gimmicked, and I, two, I was like, I hope fucking Knoxville patented this because Jackass was airing. God, when did the first Jackass air? It was either ninety nine or two thousand. Had to be ninety nine. And I'm sure, like, I can't. God, it's been since I was a teenager since I've watched CKY. So I wonder if CKY did the porta cabin stuff 
first. And then they could have sued Turner. WCW wasn't smart. I was 2000. Game, game. Jackass was 2000. Really? Yeah. Shit. I can yeah. remember, like, doing dumb shit, like, copying Jackass, like, being younger than 13. I tell you, genuinely, that new film was, like, one of my favorite cinema experiences I've had in the last five or six years. Because it was, like, one of the first big event movies since COVID. Post-COVID, yeah. And it was fine. Like, just getting to be around a crowd of people crying, laughing was, like, really cathartic. Um, um, yeah, I don't think WCW is smart enough to gimmick a uh, porta cabin. So yeah, I'm going to say it was, was legit. Actual, actual chunks of shit. Yeah. Doug Dillinger's big dumps. Dump Dillinger. And wouldn't it be such a WCW thing to have a porta potty right by the uh, gorilla position? I would. Do you know what the no? Do you know what the WCW move would be? It that, but also they're so salty about Rodman complaining publicly about his payday from last year that this is the boys getting back at him. Yeah, that maybe. they told him they're going to gimmick the toilet or that it'd be a fresh toilet. Possibly. And now he's just got a leg full of shit. Um, yeah, there was like a field of bodies of referees, like you say. I think it was what four referees got I think bumped. Four, four get taken out, yeah. Um, and yeah, he. Uh, it, I love that. Gorgeous George still has to interfere for Sa- Randy Savage to beat Dennis Rodman. She comes out with a chain. He clocks Rodman and wins. Uh, I found that match on the whole super hard to pay attention to. It was one of those things where I kept catching myself drifting off or picking up the phone to have a Mm -hmm. scroll during. Um, I don't often have those moments. On some of the pre-taped night uh, thunders, I do find it I'm fighting that urge. Usually on the pay-per-views, I don't have that. So, yeah. Look, I was bored stiff by it, but I, I totally get your rationale for why you liked it a bit more than I did. It got uh, a star and a quarter. Yeah, I'd say it's a little bit better than that, but like I say, I'd I'd easily say it's probably the, for me, the second or third most enjoyable match on the show. Hmm. I'll tell you what wasn't the most enjoyable match of the show, and that's the main event. Uh, Hulk Hogan versus Kevin Nash uh, in the retirement, also WCW world title match. Uh, one thing that I did like, uh, Michael Buffer has never looked more out of place in his goddamn life. Yeah, I was wondering, do you think he got paid extra for going to Sturgis? I would insist on it, whether I was Buffer or not. Because, uh, I mean, that man, there's no hotel in Sturgis that would, you know, be to his standard, yeah. right? Do you, think it, do you think it's like an opt-in, opt-out thing like the WWE Saudi shows? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think they very much just booked the show and were like, right, you're going, and that's it. You're going, no matter what but, uh, happens to you. I'd, I'd imagine there had to be like some clause in his contract after the first one where he was like, I am not yeah. going back to that place unless I get X. Do you know what was funny is that, like, uh, this match, this match is so, like, it's such a pox on the concept of wrestling to put these two men together. Mm-hmm. Because there are no men, I don't, maybe in the history of wrestling, who are more content to do fuck all and call it a great match. Um, oh, these two were delighted after this match. They, um, I wrote three lines into my notes. I don't have that many notes, but I wrote, I think about five minutes into the match, all caps, someone do something. 
I just have dismatches really slow. Just Everything so slow. was like they were doing the Hogan pauses like this was getting Hogan rock heat. Yeah, it was. And it wasn't. I had a thought as as I'm watching Hogan. Yeah. And I get so you the whole hate him. <laughs> Well, I mean. Um I get that the whole thing was the nostalgia and that's what all they had left basically to do with Hogan at this point. Was to yeah, go it was the only nostalgia. Yeah, but the, the the two switches that were left to pull by the time he got to WCW were we haven't turned Hogan heel. So they've done that, obviously, for three years. And then the, literally the last bit of juice you can wring out of him is bring back the uh, the red and yellow. So I get they had to bring back the red and yellow. Hogan really should have just kept the Hollywood tights and just went red. And, like, you know, the way he would in WWE where you yeah. have the long red and yellow tights? He yeah. really should have had them at this point. He looks ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. He's a ridiculous man. His hair frizz in this uh, oh my Sturgis God. heat. He has gone full Heihachi from Tekken. <laughs> <laughs> and it was within like a minute. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. The combination of like the humidity and whatever static electricity was going around. What, what, what did you think outrageously of, uh... funny. After a hardcore match where Macho and Rodman possibly legit, legitimately battered each other, and Hogan gets tossed very gently into the lighting rig and blades. Yeah, it was, it was quite funny. Was and did you see? Funny. Did you see little geek mark like that? Obviously, the heat didn't help with the the lack of blood or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But the the tiniest little gig mark on his head. Yeah, the yeah. man didn't it's didn't not... even commit to blading properly. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Like he's not even if it's not happening, he's not like he's not gonna be like Punk who was like trying to decapitate himself under that table in Wembley to get blood against Joe. Oh. Uh, he he wasn't gonna harm himself uh, in that way. And you know what? To be fair, like the process of blading is such a psychopathic thing to do that I can't say on this occasion that I wouldn't side with Hogan if I was supposed to blade. Um. Has there ever, right, there are a lot of wrestlers in history who get tired with the five moves of doom thing. So Roman currently gets gets mm-hmm. it a bit. Cena obviously got it a lot. The Rock before him. There is nobody in the history of wrestling that that has been a more accurate thing for than Kevin Nash. Yeah, I mean, probably the most. Because even statement. Hogan, even Hogan would occasionally do something like fucking throw a cross arm breaker or something. Yeah, I mean, probably the most true statement Jim Corner ever made was uh, was an elbow in the corner, choke with the boo, hair flip, sidewalk slam, powerbomb. Yeah. I know he it's does not, but it's so true. Like, oh, I love him, but. I kind of love him because of and also in spite of that. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I say this a lot. Never has a wrestler gotten much further with less physical gifts in terms of, like, wrestling. Like, obviously, his physical gifts in terms of, like, his, his size, his physique, his look, absolutely immense. But uh, in terms of, like, being less as a wrestler, he got further than just about anybody. Here's um, one for you, Dave. Seeing as it's uh, Observer Hall of Fame time of the year, did you know that the Outsiders are on the Observer ballot? They should be in, right? 
Really? Like, but in terms of like, you think about Dave's metrics as like legitimately changed the business. You know, like they cre- like their jump started the Monday Night Wars in earnest. Mm. Um, like in terms of output, obviously one person in the Outsiders is really carrying the load in terms of their entire careers. But like for most of the Outsiders run was washed. Um, but yeah, you gotta like in terms of like even Nash said it himself when they got inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. It's like just the fact that they introduced guaranteed money like in terms of changing the business as a whole that you kind of you kind of have to I, I would I would probably put them in oh, okay I probably well, like in that way like I don't think like if you're strict it, it depends on what your metric for the Hall of Fame is if you're strictly a voter based on bell to bell yeah no they don't make it at all because just saying the outsiders disqualifies almost all of Hall's Nash, good work. Yeah, not Hall's good work. Yeah, yeah. It's it's literally that two year span of the original yeah. NWR run. Yeah, it was literally one of the most seismic shifts in the history of North American wrestling, mm-hmm. started by the outsiders. And I know, I mean, I guess it depends on how much you put the Hogan turn. Like how, what percentage of the credit goes to Outsiders and the Hogan turn? It's hard to say because you know, one one wouldn't have been sustained without the other, and the idea for one wouldn't have happened without the other. Um, it's an interesting one. It's an interesting one. But in terms of like historic wrestling acts from our lifetimes, I'm not going to watch an Outsiders comp. But if I'm writing a history book on wrestling since you, I was you, born. You can't write the history of wrestling without the outsiders. Yeah, and that to me is a Hall of Fame metric. Mm. You know what I mean? An important that, that's kind of where I'm at with Goldberg. Like, there's so little to Goldberg, but yeah. I can't talk but about also, American wrestling history without Goldberg. Yeah, and there's also, I, contra, you know, in contrast to the outsiders, there's loads of those Goldberg squashes I fucking loved. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he's he hasn't got it belt. Like, it's not fucking Masawa we're talking about here. Mm. But it's fucking... It's fucking Billy G, man. I fucking love a bit of Billy G. <laughs> Billy G. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. This match was dog shit. That was awful. It's so fucking bad. Like, as bad as you think it's going to be, it's somehow worse. It's somehow worse. Because it's the level of... Uh, you kind of alluded to it there a minute ago. It's the level of smugness and how delighted you know they were with it. And, like... I guess you're you're kind of... You're kind of sitting there going... Like I said for one of the matches earlier, it's like they know they don't need to do more than this. Mm-hmm. But in the, in the case of these guys, they couldn't have done more than this. They don't know how to do more than this. They're not that good. I remember at one point we were getting we were getting spamming of two of the five moves of doom from Nash a lot. We were doing lots of hair flips and lots of corner chokes. And then I wrote, I was so fed up. I wrote, he throws in a sidewalk slam, the spicy bitch. (laughs) (laughs) He was feeling a bit saucy. Went up to move three. Um, Do you think like I get the whole, it's a retirement thing, but do you think Nash was kind of like buried with this finish? 
It's interesting because he's a guy who very much seemed like he wanted to get out of the way of having to job to Hogan, and he ended up having to job to Hogan. He jobbed to Hogan clone. Uh, he jobbed to Hogan cleaner than pretty much anyone else. Like yeah. Hogan kicked out of his finish and then just did the three punches, the big boot, and the leg drop. Yeah, yeah. The one thing that was very disconcerting to me about this match that was so anachronistic, anachronistic, is Heenan was on Hogan's side during this. Yeah, I didn't like that. Uh, and is that how much Heenan has now started to give up that he's not even living the gimmick anymore? Is it just that, yeah, I'm old now and it's whatever? Yeah, because, like, up until this point, even if Hogan was a baby face, it, he, he, even if Hogan was a baby face um, and Heenan was also a baby face commentator, he hated him. It didn't matter who was a baby face and who was a heel was between a, he the pair of them. He Hogan. hated yeah. Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Like, Rick Flair um, could be the most hated man in the world and Bobby Heenan could be, like, a face-leaning commentator and he'd still yeah. be like, ah, oh, well, it's Ric Flair. So that felt weird. Um... But yeah, this match was awful. Awful. I really don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> I'm just like, it It deservedly got a dud from Dave. Um, and it's bad. And there was whoever wins, we lose in this because neither one of them was actually going to retire. And one of them was going to continue to be in main events as the world champion in the immediate future. So, yeah, that's going to be Hulk Hogan. We're going to try and, yeah. Anyway, Lee, um, do you want to give us your overall thoughts on Road Wild, as surprising as they're going to be to people, and your winners and losers as well while you're at it? Um, As I said, I can't figure out if this is one of the all-time worst WCW pay-per-views or just a really, really bad one. That's, like, the level of show it was. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, I just think the show fucking sucked straight up. Um, like, the only winner is, I suppose, Goldberg has done with Rick Steiner, I hope. Um, Sid looked really good, so he's a winner. Yeah. Other than that, I got nothing. Mm. Like, yeah. I, I, like we talked about Chris Benoit and, uh, and DDP was so disappointing to me because I thought that was going to be the oasis of this fucking desert of fucking I think- shit. I, th- I wonder is that where I really my spirit got broken because the one match I always try to cling on to one match on a card when I copy down my notes and I go even if the rest of this is shit that's going to be good and when that wasn't an enjoyable match I'm like oh mm-hmm. I'm getting and, nothing out of this and I think that's what we're going to have to get used to with guys like Eddie and Ray and yeah. Kidman and it's just yeah. no matter if you think a guy is a good wrestler it doesn't matter because WCW is going to wreck it somehow mm-hmm. yeah anyway uh we had nine matches on this card we felt every fucking minute of it there was six clean finishes inexplicably and uh, three matches with interference leading to a finish um this was a horrible pay-per-view and i just want us so badly i wanted for us to just get through these next couple of months to start getting into the fun bad era mm-hmm. because this is just this is just sapping my soul I ain't got no fuel left after this one. But hey, come um, back in two weeks for Thunder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come to watch two men slide into a nervous breakdown over WCW. We all know, we we look for no sympathy on this program. This was all self-inflicted. Uh, all we ask is that you come along for the ride and if you enjoy our dulcet tones to give us 
five euro a month over at largemanappears.com it's a very simple uh, request as we like to say we were warned before we started the show people like you yeah. won't make it past two shows yeah, yeah. three shows yeah. tops we've proved them wrong and i'm so sorry we have um <laughs> yes we we hoard your patreon money to pay for therapist bills uh when this is all said and done so um you're you're very much helping for that or if one of us has to be has to move to a funny farm permanently where <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was okay. Viagra on a pole. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, on that note, this has been another edition of Days of Thunder. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you all again very soon. Uh, bye-bye. Thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder was produced by Lee Malone and edited by me, Dave Ryan. Keep up to date with the show and find all the ways to listen to us. You can follow us on Twitter at WCWThunderPod or click the Linktree link in our Twitter bio or in the show notes. I am at the Day to Dave on Twitter and Lee is at Malone underscore 713. Days of Thunder is a part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Follow the VOW network anywhere good podcasts are sold for more fine podcasts than you can shake a stick at. Thanks. Hello there, everybody. It's me, Gary Kidney, the co-host of You've Got to Be Kidding Me on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. And I am Liam Jones, my full name, and I am also a part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network as a co-host for You've Got to Be Kidding Me. We are a TNA history podcast that covers TNA one month at a time. We cover all the drama, all the matches, all the Vince Russo nonsense you could ever want in your life. Have you, you heard of TNA? I bet you have. But would it be funnier if two people made jokes over it the whole time? Probably. So if that sounds like fun to you, check it out on this very Voices of Wrestling podcasting network and Liam will do bits and whatnot.